0: The United Teachers of Los Angeles prove once and for all that teachers unions don't give a shit about your children. They put out a list this week of demands that need to be met before they are willing to return to work. On that list includes the following. $25 million in extra taxpayer funding for Los Angeles schools. An additional $500 billion in federal funding as if that isn't also taxpayer funding. Then they want government-run Medicare for all, as if that has anything to do with the current state of our educational system, and a wealth tax. And as if the wealthy aren't going to be taxed enough by that wealth tax, they also would like an increase in the California state income tax, ensuring that all of the millionaires leave and they're left with no money whatsoever. But don't worry, they're going to save some money by defunding the police. And uh, and in addition to that, they wanted to ban new charter schools because God forbid the public schools have something to compete against. And, last but not least, public benefits for illegal aliens as a part of the plan to reopen schools. But it's all about the children, and it's all about safety, right? Probably not. Based on the list that I just saw there, that list came from a legal insurrection article written by Kimberly Kaye. And I wish I could tell you that that's the end of the madness. This doesn't stop at teachers' unions. No, no, this is extended into college football as well. The Pac-12, um, I guess, division of, uh, of, of college football, or it's really college sports in general, has put together a secret itinerary that they are throwing out there. Of course, it was leaked out into the media via social media, but the Pac-12 football players are apparently looking to band together to list their own set of demands before they are willing to return to the field. This list includes uh, the ability to ensure safe play during COVID-19, which, by the way, you're all young, supremely healthy athletes. Virtually none of you are in any sort of danger from COVID-19 also fighting racial injustice because that's something that could be done via some sort of charter as if we haven't already tried that before they want to secure economic rights and fair compensation Um, apparently the education that they're provided is not enough I'm actually a little bit loose on this one I think players should be able to earn rights based on their own image and likeness and name but I think that's pretty much where it stops because otherwise it's going to get out of hand from there they want to protect all sports I guess all sports matter, not all lives matter, but all sports matter. Don't you forget it. And then they also would like to obtain long-term health care because the list and in and of itself wasn't ridiculous enough. They figured, let's see what else we can get. If you're seeing a pattern here, the United Teachers of Los Angeles and the Pac-12, congratulations, you have noticed that pattern. And that pattern is West Coast liberal lunacy. I'm Harrison Bergeron, and this is The Right Opinion. The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days. But that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's The Right Opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom. Welcome back to The Right Opinion, people, right here on the rightopinion.podbean.com. I'm your host, Harrison Bergeron. If you didn't catch that off the top there, I'm going to open up with a doozy here. I mean, I, I obviously touched the teachers unions and the college football nonsense, and everybody suddenly has demands now. Before I return to work, my important job of whatever the fuck, I declare that these demands be met. It's just outrageous. Go back to fucking work. You got millions of people out of jobs right now. Go back to work. Or relinquish your job and let somebody who wants it take it. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. I've had enough of these people. I mean, this is just ridiculous now at this point. I don't want to come back to school until we provide health care to illegal immigrants and we raise the wealth. What does that have to do with COVID? What does that have to do with racial justice or even George Floyd? I mean, it doesn't even have anything to do with any of the hot topics of the day. It's just a bunch of malarkey to quote are unfortunately probably future president. But we're going to do our best to prevent that. And here's a little sampling of what we can be looking forward to under the regime of President Biden. This sort of stuff will no longer just appear in the pages of CNN, but will ultimately end up becoming policy nationally. Have fun with that. Anyway, um, the headline read, American Cancer Society now recommends cervical cancer screening start at 25, not 21. Seems relatively innocent, right? Well, in case you're out there, young ladies, apparently you can wait until 25 to be screened for cervical cancer and you don't have to run out and do it at 21. That's good. Oh, you know what's not, though? The fact that I referred to them as ladies, that's apparently not the uh, running jargon these days because if you look, literally line one of this article reads as follows. Individuals with a cervix... Are now recommended to start cervical cancer screenings at 25 and continue through age 65, with the primary human papillomavirus testing every five years as the preferred method of testing, according to a new guideline released Thursday by the American Cancer Society. Do you notice that first line there? Individuals with the cervix, otherwise known as women. To us rational people, individuals with a cervix, we are now being so unbelievably woke. We are letting this eke its way into science on a level that is dangerous. This is just dumb, okay? If you're a man who thinks you're a woman, you don't have a cervix. If you're a woman who thinks you're a man, no matter how much you think you're a man, you have a cervix and you probably want to go get that shit checked out particularly if you're taking a whole bunch of hormone blockers and testosterone and all that other stuff that's only going to increase your chances of ultimately developing cancer I'm sure but individuals with the cervix this is this is this is wokeness gone too far yet again this is another example of political correctness ruining science just say women everybody knows what you mean by women or do we do women even exist anymore with with terms like individuals with the cervix being replacing women, uh, do women even exist? Where are the feminists? Women are being literally erased by this transgender, transsexual nonsense. If anyone could be a woman, there is nothing special about being a woman. And that, it should be a problem for women. And for that matter, men like me who love them. So, I mean, these things... Are becoming increasingly more popular. This is CNN Health, so obviously they got you know a, a woke level uh, over nine thousand over there, and um, and they they like they don't care about women. They only care about individuals with the cervix. And rather than you know take a sentence or two to just explain, hey, by the way, if you're a man who thinks you're a woman, you too have a cervix that you probably need to have screened. No, no. We're just gonna blanket this whole thing. We don't want to brush anybody the wrong way. Individuals with a cervix. I'm 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 just flabbergasted. Almost as flabbergasted as I was when I heard Joe Biden claim recently that President Trump is the first racist president in American history. I'm sorry. What? Like, blah? B- I, I mean, let's you know. Why are these idiots all out in the streets right now tearing down statues of Washington and Jefferson if they weren't so racist? Doesn't this undercut his own party's messaging of America was built and founded and constructed with racism? I, I'm, no, not at all. I mean, obviously, I could totally expect that Joe doesn't remember much of what he learned in his history classes, but you would think that he would remember that Woodrow Wilson— Democrat president was just canceled by Princeton University here in New Jersey because he was, you guessed it, racist. How about FDR throwing Japanese people in concentration camps? Inherently, I will be fair: Jap, Japan, Japanese, not a race. But if that shit happened today, you goddamn well know that Donald Trump would be called a racist for throwing people of any particular nationality into cages. As a matter of fact. That sort of happens at the southern border to this day. Anyway, FDR throwing Japanese people into concentration camps. How about LBJ, who an FBI informant claimed was in the Ku Klux Klan? No? How about Bill Clinton with the 1994 crime bill, which has obviously caused the incarceration of more black people than any other piece of legislation conceivable? By the way, Joe Biden wrote that. Bill Clinton signed it. And then, of course, you have the famous lines of, of, of Bill Clinton talking about Barack Obama saying that he would have been the guy who used to get us coffee or would have been getting our bags a few years ago. I believe he even said that to Ted Kennedy at the time, another just gem of a human being. And then, of course, you have Barack Obama, our first biracial, first black president, however you want to look at him. He, in his youth, discussed how he was ashamed, essentially, of his whiteness. And I'm going to read the exact quote here so it doesn't get misconstrued. And I quote, I ceased to advertise my mother's race at the age of 12 or 13 when I began to suspect that by doing so, I was ingratiating myself to whites. End quote. Not for nothing. He's half white. Still sounds pretty fucking racist to me. And again, this gets all the way back down to our founding fathers, many of which owned slaves and, you know, are currently being canceled by Joe Biden's voter base for being racist. But Donald Trump, apparently the first racist president ever. And I'm sure you can actually go back through time and it, you'd be hard-pressed to find presidents that weren't racist when you get back to a certain distance there. But, you know, Abraham Lincoln seemed to be fairly non-racist, was uh, in fact responsible for the freedom of the slaves, and was in fact a Republican. Never forget. Move on from there. Uh, by the way, there's a little bit of a side note I actually had here about Trump uh, because Biden was, was you know being Biden. And every time he steps in front of a microphone, it's just like it's an unintentional comedy show. But um, Trump kept talking about in recent interviews on Fox News about this cognitive test. I think it's the Montreal cognitive test or cognition test, whatever it is. Um, People keep talking about, oh, it's so easy. I mean, like all you have to do is like point out that that's an elephant and stuff like that. Okay, fair enough. Why doesn't Biden take one? If it's so easy Why isn't Biden taking one? We all know everybody's got doubts about this guy's cognitive ability. If this test is so easy and his cognitive abilities are up to par, why isn't Biden taking the test and why aren't we allowed to see those results if he has? This is going to be like the 23andMe test was for Pocahontas is that Trump is going to keep talking about this thing until Biden has no choice but to take one and then when he takes one. He is going to fail it miserably, just like Pocahontas did when she tried to claim that she was Native American or indigenous people or whatever the fuck when she took her DNA test and it came back that she was whiter than Slim Shady in the middle of a snowstorm with some hockey players drinking milk and some albino coke I mean, like this is not this is not going to end well for Joe. I implore anybody around Joe Biden, if you want him to have a chance at this, do not have him take this test. We all know he's too scared to take it anyway. Hey, while we're having people take cognitive tests, why don't we have uh, Congress do that as well, particularly any Democrat that was involved in this Bill Barr hearing this week? I was watching this thing at work. I mean, I I, I like Bill Barr. I don't think that's any secret anybody who's listening here. I think he does a good job. I think he's a, a, a man of the law, and I don't think he's influenced at all by Donald Trump. I don't think he's the type of person who could be influenced at all by Donald Trump. And I think he's just playing this straight. I think he sees the issues that took place under the previous administration in regards to opening up the Russia probe, and I think because of all of that, the Democrats need to attack him at every conceivable turn because when he does actually come forward with something like a Durham report, which we'll talk about in a minute here, it's going to be undeniable because he's not the puppet that he's claimed to be. This is his second run as the attorney general. He didn't need to come back. He's independently wealthy. He has virtually nothing to gain from this other than trying to set the United States back on the right course. And I think he's doing a fine job of that. Unfortunately, the Democratic members of the House Judiciary Committee don't don't necessarily agree. They dragged Bill Barr up to the hill for one reason and one reason only, and that was to lecture him. It was a hearing. As Barr said during the hearing, he is the one who was supposed to be heard. He was there to provide his testimony and to answer questions based on a wide variety of issues that the House Judiciary Committee has with him running the DOJ, including the the federal law enforcement in some of our major cities and the Russia probe and a whole wide variety of things that they think he's screwing up. So Bill Barr, fortunately for all of us, is not a child. And uh, these people that were questioning him most certainly are. They kept asking him questions. And every time he would go to answer the question, they would say, I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. Well, once again, it is a hearing. He is the one who is supposed to be heard. And if you guys actually want answers to these questions, it would behoove you to probably let him open his mouth and reply to them. But before he can even get a word out, they would be reclaiming their time. Uh, This is democratic code for being an asshole. And uh, these people are nothing short of that. They are assholes and puckered ones at that. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a strategy that the Democrats in Congress have been implementing for years. That is being an asshole, of course, is that they drag these people up in front of Congress. They ask them a bunch of stupid questions that have nothing to do with reality. And then they don't even let them actually answer it. This is how you know that the Democrats know that they have nothing on bar because if they thought they had something on bar. They would ask him a few difficult questions and they would sit back and they would let him talk so that their buddies in the media would have some clips to play about these evil, nefarious things that Bill Barr was talking about. But rather than let any of that play out, they never let him actually get a word out. And even with the limited time he was given by the Republicans to respond, that was always quickly up that that gentleman's time is up conveniently enough, Jerry Nadler. Working the gavel in this whole thing here, so he's basically running the whole show. Jim Jordan is screaming at him, like, "You gotta let the guy answer the question. He's here. He's the Attorney General of the United States. We're asking him questions. We need to know the answers. You gotta let the guy answer the question." And Jerry Nadler said, "What you want is irrelevant. How about what the American people want? Like, stop wasting our fucking tax money on situation on on you know things like this, unless you actually have." You know something to get out of it. And you would think if you were going to bring the Attorney General of the United States up to the Hill for questioning, the purpose of that hearing would be to hear what he has to say. Instead, these guys are all sitting there for hours on end on the Hill, accomplishing precisely nothing and wasting the time of our U.S. Attorney General. This is just criminal. And then on top of that, I mean, there's a clip out there of all of the people reclaiming their time. The best one is David Cicilline. I reclaim my time without political bias. Sounds like something that no one would ever say if that were actually true, right? Who cares? He's David Cicilline. He's an asshole. Oh, wait, they're all assholes. But nevertheless, this asshole might be my favorite of all the assholes. And yes, we are an equal opportunity asshole title hander outer here on the right opinion because uh, the asshole of the week is most definitely Representative Debbie Mercastle-Powell. Mercastle? Powell. Mer-castle? I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what her name is! <laughs> it really doesn't. She had the temerity, the gumption, dare I say, the testicular fortitude or maybe the ovarian fortitude, however this works, to ask Bill Barr if he would, as the, as the acting attorney general... If he would allow, like if he would promise to not allow a Durham report to come out between now and the election, you know, the report the U.S. Attorney John Durham has been working on at the behest of the Department of Justice and the Attorney General for the better part of the last year and a half at this point. They are now the Democrats begging that Bill Barr ensure us that that report will not come out between now and the election. I'm going to play the clip here for you but just keep in mind if they if there's nothing to worry about in this Durham report if Biden's squeaky clean if the Obama administration did everything by the book why are they worried about this report coming out between now and the election seems like there might be something to it right well here's the clip and then I'll uh, I'll I'll kind of fill in some of the gaps there because Bill Barr kept getting talked over which is part of the theme of this segment here I guess and I'll try to fill in some of those gaps for you but here is a uh, representative asshole from Florida asking Bill Barr about the Durham report and whether or not he will allow it to be released between now and the election. Do you commit to not releasing any report by Mr. Durham before the November election? No. You don't commit to that? No. So you I won't go by careful. Department of Justice Policy that, Justice that you won't interfere
1: in, in, in any, any political in any investigations, investigations before the November election? Not the we're, the we're not going to interfere. In fact, Mr. I've made Chairman. it clear I'm not going to tolerate But under that, oath, you're on. saying that you do not commit to not releasing a report by Durham? I, I, I'm not going to... Uh, m- any report will will be, in my judgment, not one that is covered by the, the policy, and it would disrupt the election. The time of the I've
0: already made it clear that neither You, you would go against December. your own Department of Justice policy, Mr. Vard. So clearly she wasn't listening to him, probably because she was too busy talking, but he makes Department of Justice policy. He's the attorney general, so for him to go against his own Department of Justice policy would be paradoxical. It doesn't even make sense. He's the one who determines Department of Justice policy. Also- At the end there, you can hear him say, I've already made it perfectly clear that neither candidate is under investigation, including Biden, even though he was very much involved in a lot of what went on in the early goings of the Flynn investigation and uh, and obviously Crossfire Hurricane. He was definitely read in on a lot of this sort of stuff. But Bill Barr doesn't seem to think that there's anything criminal there on the part of Biden and on the part of Obama. He actually, I believe when he was talking about this, cited the Bridgegate case where it was, yes, something may have been done. Just because something isn't the right thing doesn't mean that it's illegal. An abuse of power doesn't necessarily imply an illegality. It doesn't necessarily imply that a law was broken by abusing one's power in an executive position. So I don't necessarily agree with that. But at the same time, I can see where there might be some gray area, right? Like if if you're the president... And uh, let's say you're using your power to seduce an intern, hypothetically, not that that's ever happened before. Um, yes, you are abusing your power, but you haven't necessarily done anything illegal, unless of course that relationship might not have been consensual, in which case that moves into a whole different category of illegality that has nothing to do with abuse of power. So I, I, Bill Barr is a man of the law. He's studied this far longer than I. I am am capable of reading these things and following the logic, but I'm also not necessarily aware of all the precedents that lead up to somebody like Barr having the decision um, or having the mindset that he has regarding that particular thing. So that said, I could see what he's talking about there as much as i'd like to see obama and biden in handcuffs there is an element of it is a bit of a gray area the standard should be fairly high for people in those positions in order to be uh, arrested or or for that matter prosecuted because other if the if the bar was low as appears to be the case with like let's say president trump Um, Then you get just people coming out of the woodwork, constantly throwing these allegations at these people, which is just ultimately impeding their ability to do their job, which is obviously not good for the country. So that said, um, the Democrats are assholes, and I feel like that's probably the only good solid way to end that segment. In fact, they are the types of assholes who are happy that a former Republican presidential nominee, rocket scientist, and entrepreneur of color, by the way, Herman Cain dies. Um, now, I thought I thought the left loved people of color. Apparently, that's not the case when you don't stand on the Democratic voting plantation. But his body wasn't even cold yet before tw- people are tweeting out, hashtag dying for Trump. Okay. Um, no one died for Trump. Herman Cain passed from COVID, yes. They are suggesting, many of these idiots on Twitter, that he contracted the virus at the Tulsa rally, which is highly unlikely because everybody was checked for temperatures and wearing masks, at least on the outside, on the walk-in. N- not many people were wearing them on the inside, but again, everyone had been checked temperatures-wise and all that sort of stuff. There is no evidence to suggest that Herman King contracted this virus at the Tulsa rally, but that doesn't stop the left from celebrating the fact that that might be the case and that obviously he was not particularly big on wearing masks in public, but he was wearing them behind the scenes and was wearing having his staff wear them. He he was not just as one of these willy-nilly, I think it's a hoax and I think I'm just, you know, whatever it was, he was taking it seriously. He's also a cancer survivor, so he knows that he's immunocompromised to a certain degree, and he made his own decisions. He decided to live rather than hide in his basement like a certain presidential candidate that I can think of. Herman Cain was a grown-ass brilliant man who was more than capable of assessing his own risk. He did so. And, you know, unfortunately, things didn't work out for him here. But the idea that Herman Cain died for Trump as if Trump is like pulling these strings and Herman Cain just had to dance for him. Again, I thought the left liked people of color. I thought the left like love black men in, in America. Because here's one successful one at that, which obviously doesn't fit their narrative because they need you to think that all black people are impoverished criminals and need the help of Democrats. But here's a guy that had agency. He had worth. He had value. He had the ability to determine how he lived his life. And he did. And he was willing to die to live his life. And these people are mocking him? By the way, these will be the first people, as I tweeted, that will point the finger at you and tell you how disgusting you are if you even, for a second, even crack the slightest bit of a smile while thinking about the impending demise of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But no, Herman Cain dies, and we can dance on his grave to the tune of whatever the, to, I I assume, the Black National Anthem or whatever the fuck that they got going on now in this alternate America that, uh, that these people live in, but this is, you know, this is disgusting. Almost as disgusting as, by the way, and I didn't even have this in my show notes, but I'll riff about it here for a second, is Barack Obama turning Representative John Lewis's funeral into a political, you know, stump speech basically about mail-in voting. If you listen to that speech, it's almost like he just, he was there to take a shit on John Lewis's legacy, right? He's, oh, well, we got rid of, Bull, got rid of Bull Connor. We got rid of, uh George Wallace, Democrat, by the way, we got rid of the we need to get rid of the filibuster because it's racist for some reason. It's a Jim Crow layover, even though in two thousand nine uh or before he was president in two thousand nine Barack Obama, when he was a sitting senator, used the filibuster, so the filibuster's racist, but I use it. We got rid of George Wallace, he was a Democrat. And uh, here we are today. We got rid of Bull Connor, but now we got guys kneeling on people's necks, as if anyone was okay with that. He basically, he basically kind of made this whole speech about, "Yep, we made a little progress. Haven't made that much." Like he, he basically not only completely poo-pooed all of the work that John Lewis and people like him had put in from the march in, you know, in Selma all the way to today. A period of time in which, by the way, the lives of black people in America have drastically improved because of the work of people like John Lewis. But nope, got Barack. He's up here talking about voting. People trying to suppress our vote. No one's trying to suppress your vote. How the fuck do you think you got into office? He, he diminishes his own presidency in addition to diminishing the legacy of John Lewis. America made a lot of mistakes in its early going. America treated black people terribly for a long time. No one denies this, but the filibuster is not racist <laughs> because of uh, because Barack Obama says so. The fact that we elected a black president is pretty indicative of the lack of racism in the United States of America. The fact that uh, that, that Bull Connor and George Wallace, even though he was a Democrat, are gone is due to the hard work of people like John Lewis. To sit here today and pretend that none of that mattered, it's disgusting. Like, John Lewis, not my favorite congressperson when he was alive. We would probably get, uh, we would probably agree on virtually nothing politically. But that doesn't mean that what the guy did in the 50s and 60s wasn't amazing and isn't worthy of praise, not to have Brock. Come up here. My name's Barack Hussein Obama. I still think I'm the president, and you do too. Uh, he does this whole shtick where he comes out and he talks, and he does this kind of black William Shatner thing that he does. And uh, if if he's in the South, he'll throw a y'all in there every so often. And uh, it's 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 disgusting, man. It's a funeral, by the way. Elitists out there, you know how many people have died during COVID-19 that haven't been able to have memorial ceremonies. They're having like five for John Lewis. They had like 18 for George Floyd. If you're like a regular person, like my best friend's father died during all this shit. We still haven't been able to have like a service for him. That's, but John Lewis gets like four of them. And, and George Floyd seemed to get one in every fucking state. Like what what are we doing here? You're an everyday average American. You're sitting home and you lost a loved one who maybe died alone in a hospital because you couldn't go to see them. Or now they've been dead for months and we can't actually bury them or or cremate them or properly memorialize them. But John Lewis is going to be... Uh, you know, memorialized in this way and we're going to wheel out all the celebrities, all the old politicians, George W. Bush, who they all called Hitler when he was in office and now all of a sudden he's this loving, understanding Republican, I wish we could have George Bush back in office. These people are ridiculous. If they had any principles, they would slap themselves for regularly violating them, but they don't, which is why they're allowed to live their lives with their head held high because they have no shame whatsoever. Moving on, let's do something a little bit more uplifting. The economy sucks. Oh, that, you, you were looking for more uplifting? Well, our economy doesn't suck as much as other economies. That's the uplifting part. So the media has been telling you this week, as the numbers came in for jobs and GDP and all this sort of stuff for the quarter, that the American GDP dropped a whopping 32.9% in quarter two this year. That sounds really, really bad, right? Doesn't that sound awful? Well, it is awful, and it would be awful if it was true. So what actually happened and what you're not hearing in the media is that that 32.9% dip in GDP is annualized. So it assumes that the dip that we had in quarter two continues through the end of the year, and that would be the number that we'd be looking at as far as a GDP growth, or I guess in this case, retraction. 32.9% 32.9 percent would be catastrophic. Fortunately that's not what the actual number is. The quarter for uh, the number for quarter number two in 2020 was actually 9.4 percent. Not good, right? Like Trump has talked about trying to get the GDP to grow by three, four, five, six, seven percent even. I think it, I think it's if we can grow the GDP by seven percent for like seven consecutive years, we can cut the debt in half. Now, it's like a pipe dream, obviously. If it could be done, it probably would be being done under Trump because Trump is doing everything he can to pump this economy. But a dip of 9.4% is not good by any measure. That said, here's what they're not telling you. I'm going to pull up an article here from Yahoo News that gives the breakdown of what this virus has done to Europe. The EU as a whole took a 12.1% dip in its GDP. We were 9.4, they were 12.1. And that, by the way, is after a 3.6% decline in the first quarter for the European Union because they did get hit by this a little earlier, so that might be COVID-related there towards the end. But now they're looking at two back-to-back quarters of loss, both at 3.6% and now 12.1% respectively. Our economy did not see a loss in quarter one, mostly because we hadn't really been hit by this virus that hard yet. We didn't really know what was going on. We didn't really start into the heavy lockdown measures until the very, very end of quarter one. So that's the EU. uh, 12.1% as a whole, they took a dip in quarter two. Us, again, just for comparison, 9.4%. Then let's take a look at some of these other countries individually. Germany, is down 10.1% in quarter two, which is 0.7% more than the United States of America. France is down 13.8%, which is down 4.4% more than the United States of America. Italy, 12.4%, down a full 3% more than the United States of America. And Spain, a whopping 18.5% in quarter two, which actually follows a 5.2 decline, uh, 5.2% decline in quarter one, so it appears, as usual, America did it better. And that means Trump did it better. And that's why you haven't heard about any of this. I'm just going to leave that one there. One thing, however, that you have heard a lot about is mail-in voting. Because Donald Trump apparently supposedly threatened to delay the election. This is obviously nonsense. He did not de- threaten to delay the election. The last time I checked, threats don't usually end with three question marks, um, which is precisely how that tweet ended when he was talking about it. What he did and what he ultimately later explained is that he put the idea of questioning the mail-in voting out into the ether in that controversial Donald Trump way that he tends to do, and the media lost their minds about it. And now people are actually having a discussion about whether or not mail-in voting is a viable way to go with our national election in November. Talk to a a good friend of the show here, uh, Bonnie Renee. What's going on, Bonnie? Uh, She lives out in Utah. They do mail-in voting all the time. Like 100% of the votes can be done by mail-in voting out there. She tells me that they have managed to do it right. Mind you, it's Utah too, right? It's incredibly rural by comparison to most of the rest of the country. Um, They were able to do it, but it did take them a few election cycles. It took them about five years to really get it right. So it took Utah five years to figure out how to secure the mail-in votes. But we are going to somehow do this on a national scale in less than five months. And I'm supposed to believe that there's nothing is going to go wrong here. I'm also just flabbergasted at how people are suddenly so confident in the United States Postal Service. An organization that has been running in the red for as long as anybody can remember, and an organization that will deliver your package that is half opened if not completely altogether destroyed on a fairly regular basis, and that's if you actually get that piece of mail at all ever. I can tell you that the only times I've ever had any problems with um, with with, uh, with with baby mama for lack of a better term is when my check didn't show up because the Postal service <laughs> didn't get it to her. At all. I had to cancel the check. It cost me money to cancel the check to make sure that no one else, maybe even somebody at the post office, ripped it open and tried to cash it themselves. Now I do the whole Zelle thing or whatever it is. But still, at the end of the day, it is a little ridiculous that everybody is so confident that the United States Postal Service, have they not heard of the term going postal? Not a term for you know other jobs that employ more sane people. That don't typically grab machine guns and go running into their workplace. Not that that's something that happens with regularity these days, but it's an expression for a reason. And that's because these people, not all particularly well. I have uh, some people in my life that are postal workers, or at least people related to people in my life that are postal workers. No offense to the postal workers out there, you guys. I'm sure many of you do a fine job, but there are some really bad postal workers, sort of like... There are some really bad cops. Would we let the cops run the election right now? I didn't think so. Leftists anyway. Um, So, yeah, so mail-in voting, there are some actual problems going on in the realm of mail-in voting. And I'm going to point to you to an article from 2012 from The New York Times. The failing New York Times. Um, Yeah, New York Times, you know, no bastion of right-wing conservative thought. They wrote in this article from 2012, this is talking about the growing percentage of Floridians that utilize mail-in voting, and the article reads, and I quote, Yet votes cast by mail are less likely to be counted, more likely to be compromised, and more likely to be contested than those cast in a voting booth, statistics show. Election officials reject almost 2% of ballots cast by mail, double the rate for in-person voting. Ion Sancho... The local elections supervisor in Tallahassee, Florida said, The more people you force to vote by mail, the more invalid ballots you will generate. Period. End of sentence. End of quote. I mean, this is not new. This is not a new concept. You know what this is? I said the Montreal cognitive test is the new DNA test. Biden is now the new Pocahontas, apparently. This whole thing here with the whole vote in mail is the new wall. Because all of the Democrats hated the idea of the wall when Trump talked about it. But years before, they were all trying to build a wall on the southern border. Trump has a, has, has a keen way of doing this. I don't know if it's him or somebody in his staff. But they do find a way to find positions that the Democrats had strong beliefs on years ago that have since switched. And then they hold that initial strong position, and they can point at all of the tape of all of the Democrats saying the exact same stuff that we are saying today. Example, Jabba Nadler. Yes, uh, Representative Jerry Nadler from the state of New York. He, in 2004, was on a, on a committee talking about mail-in votings and the problems that lie there within and here is what Jabba had to say.
1: Point, and I yield to
0: Mr. Nadler.
1: Thank you. I just, uh, it's a very tempting point. I just, as a very experienced, practical politician from New York, I feel constrained to observe that in my experience in New York, uh, paper ballots are extremely susceptible to fraud. And at least with the old clunky voting machines that we have in New York, um, the, the de- deliberate fraud is way down. Compared to paper, when they when the machines break down, and they vote on paper. We've had real problems, so that's a that is. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. I'm simply observing that as a problem. There's got to be a way. Of getting the best of our methodologies,
0: but in uh, fact, to, the to MIT it. studies have shown that hand-counted paper ballots are among the most reliable. It and at least, reliable, if, it, if there's a miscount, you can argue. discover it. You can't discover miscounts with these well, uh, machines. maybe
1: optical scan with paper. I, I want a paper trail. I want paper somewhere. But pure paper with no machines, uh, I can show you. Pre- I can show you experience, which uh, would make but, your head spin.
0: And we thank you for. It would make your head spin, by the way, the idea that he's like a practical politician from New York is just, I mean, isn't that kind of oxymoronic at this point, but neither here nor there. So this is not something that's new. This is not some right wing conspiracy. This is not something Donald Trump just pulled out of his ass. This is a real thing that the New York Times was reporting on that Jerry Nadler was worried about. And now it's 2020. Trump comes along. He says mail-in voting might be a problem, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Nah, what? You, what's he talking about? Twenty-fifth Amendment. We gotta get this crazy out of office." This is what they do. This is gaslighting, pure and simple. And I know the Ayatollah bin Hamine not a big word, not a big fan of the uh, gaslighting terminology. But hey, uh, I, I won't tell him how to do his conspiracy show if he doesn't tell me how to do my politics show. Um, but at the end of the day. Um, Not only is this a problem that had existed, it's a problem that exists right now. I take you to Salon.com, yet again, not not a big right-wing conservative bastion of of intelligentsia over there. According to Salon.com, they're talking about there is a primary that was held in New York City As a matter of fact, it was the Democrats' primary in the 12th District of New York. This took place over a month ago. We still don't know who won because of mail-in voting issues. According to Salon.com, they said that roughly 12,500 mail-in ballots were disqualified. So that means 12,500 people wrote their ballot out, sent it in, and some guy in a room on some commission looked at it and said, nope, this this is disqualified. And I'm sure they have to provide some evidence as to why or they have to tally why, whatever the case may be. I actually looked in to see how many votes were cast in total. And the last numbers that I could find is that if you add up the two top candidates, 40,000 votes between the two of them. So you add in that 12,500, that's 52,500 votes that were potentially cast, and they threw out 12,500 of them. That's more than 23% of the ballots were considered to be disqualified based on the say-so of some random guy in a room who will never know his name or his face. This, this is just New York. This is just one district in New York. This is just 50,000 ballots. Can you imagine what this is like on a national scale with the presidential election, with all of the windows of opportunity for fraud? I'm not even worried about fraud. I'm worried about ineptitude. We're going to give these ballots to the United States Postal Service and hope against hope that they finally do their jobs correctly on a large scale. Do you have any idea how many ballots are going to go missing, be disqualified, be damaged, In the process, not to mention we got motherfuckers running around in every major city like setting stuff on fire. What happens if they start setting mail trucks on fire or post offices on fire? Everybody's vote just disappears all of a sudden? Is that not a possibility in 2020? It sounds ridiculous if I were to tell you two years ago. I'm telling you now, and if it doesn't make sense to you, I need you to wake up and join us here in this reality. Because that could happen. They're setting federal court buildings on fire and calling it peaceful. This is full-scale 1984. Anyway, one last thing here. I don't even have notes on this, but just it's somebody who pisses me off saying stupid shit. So I'm going to play the clip, and then we are going to riff, and I'm going to send you fine folks home. This is a shorter episode than I anticipated this week, but I will try to get a bonus episode out to you sooner rather than later later. I do still have some Spygate stuff to go back and touch on. I think Carter Page is going to be the next subject of those investigations. But here is Jamel Hill now of the Atlantic because ESPN got rid of her because she was too racist even for them, I guess. And uh, Jamel Hill talking about the misconceptions about the wealth gap and why 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 black people are disproportionately in poverty. Now, I'm going to to politely say this now. I've told you why this is in the past, is that there, as a whole, there are three things that you can do to try to avoid poverty. You can graduate high school, you can get a job and keep a job, and you can wait until you're married to have kids. Again, every time I say this, I do have to impart upon you that I am a bit of a hypocrite here as I had a child out of wedlock when I was 20. That said, I do everything I can for her. Her, her mother, thankfully, is stable, has a good home, has a nice job, has, you know, she's got a good infrastructure around her on top of a stepdad who's actually a pretty decent guy. So I'm, you know, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite here. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. That said, my situation's still, for my daughter, much better than most. Continuing on, if you do not do those three things, there is a statistical likelihood that you will end up impoverished, imprisoned. And, 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 you know, committing any number of crimes, falling victim to substance abuse. You heard Marcellus Wiley talk about it on ESPN. I played the clip for you here. These are undeniable facts. A child of any race, as Marcellus Wiley pointed out that does not have a father in the home, is infinitely, well, not infinitely, because it's there's there's actual numbers that he gave. You're, you're five times more likely to end up out of, uh, you know, not graduate high school, six times more likely to end up in prison, nine times more likely to be involved in substance abuse, 35 times more likely to commit a rape, X times, you know, more likely to commit murder, and yada, yada, yada. And he not only knew that from the statistics, but from living in communities of color and seeing it firsthand. Jamel Hill... Apparently, completely fucking clueless to all of this, here is the queen of dumbassery herself. So the most common misperception that I hear about the racial wealth gap is that the reason it exists is because of moral failures, not wanting to work hard enough, um, not wanting to succeed enough, um, because of lack of parental involvement, lack of fathers. They point to all these reasons that are morality reasons and nothing that is rooted in actual circumstances dealing with structural inequality. None of those reasons. The whole reason why people in this country don't have as much as other people is because people didn't want to work hard enough to get it. Well, I don't know if she read that whole malarkey that came out from the, yeah, no, I keep using the word malarkey. Joe Biden, you know, know, not for nothing, he's in my fucking head, man. I'm really worried that he's going to be our fucking president. I'm going to give you my official pick when we get closer to the election. But if you honestly put a gun to my head right now, I might have to tell you Joe Biden won, and I'm not happy about it. But that said, Jamel Hill apparently must have missed that thing that was put out about whiteness uh, by the, uh, I guess what was it, the National Museum for African American History, because they specifically said in that particular poster or whatever it was, that working hard is a white thing. This is this is specific to white people. And if white people have it so much better than black people in this country, it must be because they work hard and that they work before they play and that they push off, you know, their 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 immediate satisfaction for long term satisfaction by meeting goals and planning for their future. This is stuff that they literally said is quotes whiteness in the fucking poster that they put out there. Maybe your issue should be with them. Because it appears to me that they're saying the only people that work hard and put off their goals, uh, or put off their, their short-term satisfaction for long-term goals, or plan for their future, or believe that it is better to work before you play, are white people. Apparently, that's not me saying it. That's the National Museum of African American History. Now, I don't fucking agree with that one bit. I think people of all races can equally be determined and equally be lazy. It doesn't, uh, your melanin content of your skin has absolutely nothing to fucking do with your willingness to work hard and achieve your goals. None. But somebody should tell the National Museum of African American History that, and apparently Jamelle Hill completely oblivious to that again, because if she was aware that that's what the National Museum of African American History was putting out as facts about whiteness, she might take issue and say, hey, black people work fucking hard too, but no. She's nowhere to be found on that. Instead, she will sit here and perpetuate this lie that not having a father in the home has nothing to do with with economic uh, inequities or, for that matter, social inequities and ultimately criminal inequities. It has everything to do with it based on every study ever done on the subject. There is no study she could find, no fucking article from The Root she can pull that is going to tell me otherwise because they not only has science been saying this since long before these like incredible social justice non like if you wanted to tell me this was the right-wing conservative response to this radical social justice movement okay that's fine why were these statistics available for marcellus wiley to read back in 1995 when he was attending columbia as a black man this is stupid This is so fucking stupid, I can't even express how fucking stupid it is. She, I mean, look, I don't like Jamel Hill. I think she's a talentless hack, but she apparently worked pretty hard to get to where she is. She must have had to work so much harder because she's so much less talented than everybody else around her and so much less intelligent than everyone else around her. She must have busted her ass to get to these things, to get to to the Atlantic, to get to ESPN, to get to, you know, whatever, you know, I think she's doing... Some HBO special with AOC coming up or whatever the fuck. She must have busted her ass to get all of that. She doesn't think that other people with the same melanin content of her skin could achieve that if they worked as hard as she did. That sounds like that's not even racist. It's like self-effacing. It's like that doesn't make the damnedest bit of sense. And it tells me everything I need to know about how you actually think about your fellow black people. It's just it's disgusting. Um, before I get like into a, a tizzy about all this, I'm gonna just wrap it up here. Uh, this has been the right opinion. I haven't given you any plugs. Uh, go to the therightopinion.dotpodbean.dot.com. That's the first and foremost place where you can find this podcast. Every single episode goes up there first and foremost. Um, and then it will now also appear on group.podbean.com. You'll also be able to search Humane Media Group on iTunes and. Stitcher and all that sort of stuff. Once we get a few episodes up then it then the RSS feed kicks over to iTunes and Stitcher. So we may actually have them up already, but if not, just go to hummingmediagroup.podbean.com, subscribe, you'll get this podcast. You also do the same obviously if you go to ratsaladreview.com or as I mentioned, the right or you could just search the right opinion on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher. You'll find me there as well as probably a few other podcatchers out there. Also, social media. Check me out at Right Opinion Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Parlor. It's a lot of the same content kind of being shared between the three. I am most active on Twitter. I'm really trying to avoid that, but that's where the fight is, man. That's where that's where I want to be. I want to get dig deep into the doldrums of these mentally, you know, incapable people out there who just, as soon as you rebut anything that they have to say, they go into a complete meltdown. They have no return whatsoever. I, for instance, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit because I, I need to kill a few minutes towards the end of the show. I was on Twitter this week talking about how America is not a racist place. No one could give me an example of a less racist country. I even produced for one of these women an article from the Washington Post Highlighting how America is amongst one of the least racist countries in the world. And she came back to me and said, You just don't like that I proved you wrong. And I said, Really? You proved me wrong? Where is your proof? I provided sources. Left-wing sources. At that, you have no such sources to, to, uh, to unveil that America is this system- systemically, you know, wide-scale racist place. It's simply not the case. And I asked her, Go ahead and name me a less racist country. And then while you're at it, ask yourself why you aren't living there and why you continue to sit here and be complicit in racism that you claim is happening. Then she comes back. No, no, I'm not complicit. I said, oh, you pay taxes, don't you? Congratulations. You are funding racism. I didn't hear back from her. I'm sure you're all surprised. I doubt she, I, I'm, I'm sure she blocked me. Actually, I didn't even bother to go check, but this is the type of stuff this is the type of idiocy, this Jamel Hill, ascientific, a factual. It, it's not even, I don't even know what it's in line with. It doesn't even seem to be in line with many of her views. She's just out here spewing nonsense to try to dispel, you know, these supposed rumors about why there's a wealth gap on, on the racial frontier. And by ignoring the actual reality that is causing that wealth gap, she's only further perpetuating it. Every time you tell. Somebody of it doesn't matter what the color of the person's skin is, but hypothetically, because she's black, she's talking about issues relating to black people. Every time you tell a black child, oh, yeah, no, it's okay to have a kid out of wedlock, for every like 20 kids you tell, like a few of them are going to just take that to heart. Or if you just, if you told 20 kids it's not okay, many of them who were otherwise going to go ahead and, and, you know, be not, not be as careful as they should be, I know. Um, Now they might be a little bit more careful, and that might actually, you know, improve the next generation, where a lot more of these kids have fathers in the home. In the 50s, here in the United States, the single motherhood or the single parent um, home percentage in the black community was 25%. It is now 75%. And let's also bear in mind, we've had the Civil Rights Act, affirmative action, a black president, Uh, we, we basically add... SAT points onto black applicants for colleges. We've got we've got the, the system in and of itself, if anything favors black people now that uh, I could I could hear the eyes rolling already. that doesn't necessarily always mean it's implemented as such, but there is no legislation designed specifically to aid white people. There is legislation specifically involved is specifically designed to help people of color. So systemically, there's actual favoritism in the way of people of color, particularly black people in this country, because of, obviously, the historical wrongs that were done to them and their ancestors. No one's denying that. But the idea that we can we can make, you know, the system has favored black people, but the motherhood rate, the single motherhood rate has tripled over that period of time. Might that be what's responsible for some of the issues in terms of wealth and criminality and so, and social issues that are you know that black people are dealing with today i would think that that's more likely than suggesting that the government is still at fault while giving them uh preference in terms of job applications in terms of college applications in terms of um Opportunity zones that usually benefit people of color, um, giving money to HBCUs, uh, historically black colleges and universities. We have a system now that is trying to right the wrongs that were done to black people, and in doing so, have almost favored black people. I don't want to say have outright, because obviously, again, those laws need to be implemented. And the, 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 you know, like the policing, for instance, policing, yes, helps more people of color than it does people of, you know, white people. It just does. Because more people of color live in more areas where there's more crime, and the people that are being protected from that crime tend to be more people of color. That doesn't mean all cops are good. That doesn't mean Derek Chauvin was like a great guy up until the second that he put his knee on George Floyd's neck. It doesn't mean any of that. There are exceptions to every rule. There are good eggs. There are bad eggs. There are good cops. There are bad cops. There are good teachers. There are bad teachers. There are good postal workers. There are bad postal workers. There are good white people. There are bad white people. There are good black people. There are bad black people. The sooner that we can all get rid of all of those descriptors and just get down to good and bad people, the better off we are all going to be. And that's it. I think I got all the plugs out of the way, if not one more time, at Right Opinion Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor, therightopinion.podbean.com, or search the right opinion on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Ha- uh, ooh, I almost said hackerhamine.podbean.com. Check them out anyway, but be sure to check out the new feed, the auxiliary feed, haminemediagroup.podbean.com, and ratsaladreview.com. And I think this is the time where I tell you all that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. But this asshole has the right opinion right here on the right Talk to you guys next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in the room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom.
1: Boom.